0: Billy and his sister, Sheena, are visiting their uncle, Dr. Deep, on a tiny Caribbean island. It's the perfect place to go exploring underwater, and Billy's ready for an adventure. There's only one rule to remember. Stay away from the coral reefs. Still, the reefs are so beautiful, so peaceful. Billy can't resist, but he's not alone in the water. Something's lurking deep below the surface. Something dark and scaly. Something half human, half fish. Deep Trouble is this week's story on the Goose Down. Okay, welcome for the first time for some. Welcome back for most to the Goose Down, the show where I review each and every one of the books in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebump series. My name is Cameron Hawkins. I am the host of the South Congress Podcast, producer of the South Congress Podcast Network, regular contributor to the Pro Wrestling Torch in both um, audio and social media form. Um, yeah, this is kind of my pet project you know the south congress podcast is where we cover you know current events um talk about guy stuff you know sports and relationships and entertainment things like that um I also produce a show called I Just Want to Tell Stories, hosted by Joe Anderson, Jr. of The Mahogany Project, where we interview queer creators of color about their thought process, um, their upbringing, the different projects that they're working on. Um, I have a new show coming out, um, hosted by Travis Bryan and Rich Fan from the Pro Wrestling Torch, um, covering a new series about His Dark Materials on HBO, so... South Congress Podcast Network, wear a lot of hats. Um, this was kind of my pet project. I wanted to do something solo um, that I found a lot of interest in, something I had history in. So I figured I could talk about the Goosebumps series, um, something I came up on as an elementary school kid. You know, these books were starting to be written around 1992. So this is me at seven, first, second grade. Um, yeah, and so now I kind of review the books and try to connect them to ideas that I have today. And yeah, this book does not disappoint. Uh, Because I have a unique history with marine life, I guess you could say. So, Deep Trouble is uh, a few different things. One, it's a play on the idea of being underwater, deep in the ocean. I'm also a play on the main character's name. His name is Billy Deep. Um, He refers to himself as, as William Deep at times, and we'll talk about that. And yeah, what it really presents is this idea of... Science versus our own human nature, Um, especially as children. You know, we came up on the free willies of the world, where we really try to, uh, you know, get into how we view animals from both the perspective of you know, a child where, you know, you love them and they're cuddly and they're precious, you know, to an adult where, you know, science kicks in and then ideas of learning and information and even ideas of entertainment and greed can affect how you feel about, you know, wildlife and in a lot of cases, specifically marine life. Um, I think this book does a pretty good job of presenting how a child would feel versus how adults feel with things like this. So, kind of jump into it um and i'll tell you kind of a personal story as we go so billy deep is our main character here um billy has some really cool not delusions of grandeur but he's a great study in the imagination of a kid the story opens with him like like openly having this dream of being the world's like greatest deep sea diver and explorer And, um, you know, he just has these fantasies of finding new life and being able to get down into the very depths of of any ocean, coming out with new discoveries. Um, It was really great to see somebody who was almost never scared. Um, Not a lot frightened him in this story. He did get himself into a few tough situations. But, you know, just kind of an all-around outgoing kid. Um, You know, really enjoyed it. So, Billy and his sister Sheena are spending their summer vacation um with their uncle and at the beginning i always do kind of the blurb and so i want to make be clear it's dr deep like d-e-e-p but they also refer to him as dr d in the story and so like i'm imag- imagining reading this out loud to kid's to story time like my teachers used to do with goosebumps books and that's you know got to get confusing even though there's real no difference um so yeah Billy goes snorkeling, kind of off on his own. Um, they're with their uncle for the summer on the Caribbean island of Elandra, is what it's called. And he goes off snorkeling, and is attacked by a sea monster. Um, not really something he ever makes out clear, but he does manage to get away from it. And he actually rubs up against what they call fire coral, um, you know, which kind of makes his skin really irritated, but only for a second, so he's fine. So he describes his uncle, Dr. Deep, as like what a stereotypical scientist would look like. Short guy, skinny guy, big glasses, brown hair and balding. So he said, if you'd ever see Dr. Deep, um, you'd be like, oh, that guy must be a scientist. And he is, you know, marine biologist to the point where he had to go stay with Billy's family once for Christmas vacation. And he was so irritated. By being on land for that amount of time. Like, ideally, he wants to be out on a boat discovering things. He has an assistant with him named Alexander. And Alexander's job is to make the food. Alexander's terrible at cooking. Like, he tries to make spicy chicken salad sandwiches all the time. And the kids hate it. Um, And, yeah, he's described as, like, big, muscular, blonde guy. It makes me think of... uh, What's the guy's name? Not Johnny Bravo, but but Brock Sampson is his name from uh, from Venture Bros. Um, You know who is you know originally a riff on Race Bannon, I guess. But yeah, that's who I pictured when I was thinking about Alexander, described as like tall and muscular and blonde and just doesn't seem to really be um, stereotypically who you consider to be a scientist. Like he's not like Doc Sampson from Marvel. So. Billy hears a conversation uh, between his uncle and some representatives from the Marina Zoo. And as they're talking, um, you know, he gets closer and closer. And they want to offer him a million dollars to find a mermaid. Um, Apparently, fishermen have been telling everybody stories of mermaids that are around. And Dr. Deep is even like, yo, I don't think there are any mermaids, but a million dollars, I'm going to look. Because when he talks about their boat, um, there are repairs that the boat needs that they don't have the money to make. And so this would be a shot in the arm, you know, for their studies. Like, they know, he works out of a university in Ohio, but, you know, with any science funding, it's always going to be finite. And so this is a way to kind of jumpstart that for him. So he at least entertains the idea of going out to look for mermaids. So... You know, Billy's in his head. He's like, yo, there's no way there's a mermaid. Um, Like, these things, you know, can't be real. But if I find a mermaid, I'd be the first person to ever find one. And so I have to at least take the risk. Like, Billy's described as like super optimistic. And even though it's not necessarily something he believes in, the idea of being the person that finds it is is what entertains him. And his sister, Sheena, is always very matter-of-fact and is very practical and grounded. And anything we haven't seen, she doesn't believe that can exist. When Billy describes at the beginning getting attacked by a sea monster, Dr. Deep, with his scientific mind and his affinity for his niece and nephew, is even like, well, you know, we've never seen one. And there are things that haven't been located. So that doesn't mean that these things can't exist when he's talking about the sea monster. Because, you know, I think every... Insect or animal or you know mineral or anything like that, you know all of that was was some kind of superstition or myth or monster until we started to identify it. Um, so yeah, he at least entertains the idea. But with this mermaid thing, he's like, no, it can't be real. But if you're going to pay me a million dollars to look for it, I'll do that. So. When Billy overhears this, he actually stumbles into the room, which seems to always happen in R.L. Stein books. Like like kids stumble into the room or get caught, you know, listening to a conversation they shouldn't have. And Dr. D tells the um, two people from the zoo, he's like, yo, he's a mature kid for his age. He's not going to spill the beans on this. There's no reason to worry about it. And even if he did tell anybody, like, it's a mermaid. What's going to happen? So the next morning, Billy sneaks out and goes out at 6.30 a.m. to go look for the mermaid. He's out swimming near the reef again, and then a hammerhead shark pulls up on him, and this hammerhead shark is actually what's on the cover of the story, and it's described exactly like you think a shark would be, Um, not the hammerhead shark, but what happened. So, all of a sudden, the hammerhead shark finds him, then as he tries to get back to the boat, it starts to circle him. As he tries to break for the reef, um, and hopefully he won't be followed into the reef, it gets closer and closer. So the shark actually like, hits him from the side, and he thinks everything's over, and all of a sudden, the shark is attacked. What is the shark attacked by? A mermaid. Um, and so, you know, Billy's trying to communicate with the mermaid. The mermaid doesn't talk like we talk. It seems to communicate through sonar and makes oos and awes. Um, But describe like any other mermaid, um, you know, smaller, but, uh, you know, top half, uh, female human bottom half fish as he starts to try to make contact a net comes over them and it's dr d and he pulls them onto the deck of the ship and like they're, trying, they're like billy oh you caught a mermaid but he's like okay but let us out and they're so startled at the time there's nothing they can do so they manage to put the mermaid into a glass tank until the zoo crew will arrive um, to take her And, you know, Billy's like, yo, are you really going to let this happen? He's like, yo, Billy, it's science. Like, we need to know how things work in this world. Like, that's the way we gain information. That's the way that we're safe. Like, we have to do this. And Billy's like, okay, like, I trust you, but I don't know. Like, the mermaids saved my life. Like, for me to alter the mermaid's life at this point, it seems wrong. Now, um, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. And... When you're from San Antonio and you want to make a little money, you typically start working at three different places. One was West Telecommunications. The other was Six Flags Fiesta Texas. And the third was SeaWorld San Antonio. I worked at SeaWorld San Antonio. I worked for Shamu Vending. What is Shamu Vending? Um, I worked in the food stadium sales during all of the shamu shows. And so like my my building is right next to, you know, the largest show at SeaWorld. And I'd walk up and down the stands during the show selling, you know, lemonade and popcorn and hot dogs and that kind of stuff. And yes, before you ask, um, I definitely drank my fair share of lemonade in the office, ate my fair share of hot dogs, ate my fair share of popcorn and cotton candy, and never once reported it back to the company. Statute of Limitations is up. It's not going to affect my resume now. But boy, did we steal from that company. But anyway, you know, working at SeaWorld, you know, you're a 16-year-old kid. You're running around. You're, you know, trying to flirt with girls all day and, you know, all kind of stuff like that. So you don't really get into the logistics of where you're working. And then, you know, documentaries start popping up and, you know, killer whales start basically attacking, you know, people during shows and That's when you have the news crews showing up, you know, asking about, you know, humane treatment of animals and is this even just to, like, have animals in captivity and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it it probably happened over the last few years for me, um, but, like, I'm pretty staunchly against the idea of, like, zoos and SeaWorld and things like that because, um, you know, while I, I agree we need to know information, I, I think that in a lot of cases we have what we need to know from, um, you know, these different species. And, you know, I, I I don't have all the information. And so I do understand that information is valuable. I just know I choose not to spend my time at zoos and marinas and, and stuff like that. Just not for me. Um, but, I, you know, I do think this story does a good job presenting both sides. The fact that we do need the information, but also... Eventually, you get to this inhumane treatment. And granted, like this is a story that, even though there are mer people in it, it's not as you know fantastic, I guess, as you know the ghost stories or the monster stories. But monsters are in the eye of the beholder. So, um, let's see. We secure the mermaid in the in the large glass tank, and you know Billy it starts to communicate with her and she seems to be fond of him because he's, he's warm to her and they start to try to figure out like what to feed the mermaid and she's mimicking his movements and it's all really cute to the point where um, he tries to give her chocolate chip cookies one time and she's like, they melt before they get in there. Like that doesn't look appetizing, but then they throw some of Alexander's cooking in there where once he decides that he's going to make squid, but then add extra squid ink to make it have more color yeah so she really did like the squid because she lives underwater she probably eats a lot of squid um so when he wakes up from sleeping that night he starts to have well he's having dreams of like mer people and all of a sudden he's awoken by the boat rocking he goes up to the top deck and he sees that the mermaid's being kidnapped uh by four men in you know black outfits with masks and yo he notices that his uncle's been knocked out uh, he's been hitting the head and they're throwing billy around and he's yelling like alexander alexander getting him to come up his sister shows up there's nothing they can do against these four guys finally alexander shows up and billy's like oh yeah alexander's gonna bust that ass right he shows up and it turns out he's with the thugs and he's like yo like What's going on? Like, why would you do this? He was like, "Man, if the zoo's offering a million dollars, how much do you think these guys are offering?" Turns out he was getting twenty million dollars for one mermaid. Now, I'm not saying it's okay, but I understand. Um, <laughs> $20 dollars is a lot of money um, for you know something that you at least may not consider to be the same as you. So I, I I see what happened, um, and I think it's it being a children's book. Um, and the children kind of having pure intentions, especially with the mermaid saving Billy's life. I think it is a good, uh, even presenting one side as good. The other is bad because, and even kind of a middle ground with Dr. D who was like, yo, I, I you know, the money is great and that's going to help. But I'm also looking at this from a t- scientific standpoint, but yeah, Alexander, not so much. She was trying to get paid. So the thugs toss Sheena, Alexander, or I'm sorry, Sheena, Billy, and Dr. D into, the tank that they had the uh, the mermaid in they lock it and they throw them in the water so they very specifically are trying to kill them here so they're able to actually get one of the latches opened on the tank while they still have air and I guess they're fighting to get loose it's about to be submerged all the way the kidnappers and Alexander are taken off in another boat with the mermaid being pulled behind. So just as it looks like they're gonna run out of air, a bunch of mer people show up, and they actually pick the, uh, they lift the tank back above the water, and so um, Dr. D, Billy and Sheena are able to break the latches, and then the mer people um, actually help them towards the boat. They communicate through sonar, so as she's able to call out to them, they're able to find her. So, they start to go towards the boat. Dr. D and the kids manage to get into another small boat. Um, they So, they get into their dinghy, and they're chasing the boat. They're following it. So, as they're following it, they start to try to sneak onto the kidnapper's boat. Kidnappers find them. And then, they throw a flare onto the dinghy and set fire to it. So... They're actually able to put out the fire because the thugs aren't attacking them at this point. Meanwhile, the other mer people were able to get the mermaid free. Um, so, one of the kidnappers, uh, they grab the kid. The other starts to swing at Dr. D and they keep missing and missing. Um, so, as they toss them back into their small boat, as Alexander's commanding them, and the kids put out that fire, One of the men goes back into their boat and the mermaids, the merpeople, start rocking their boat. And so Dr. D and the kids can escape. And so this is the larger boat, the kidnappers boat that they start rocking as they start to try to get into the smaller boat, but they're hanging on to the side. So you don't know what happens to them, like where they drowned? Were they able to escape? You don't know. I think it's left ambiguous on purpose so that the people don't seem to be bad, like just like they were trying to defend themselves. Uh, but yeah, so Dr. D and the kids get away in the small boat, um, but they don't see the people; They're nowhere to be found, right? So the next morning, the zoo reps show up with a million-dollar check. Dr. D thanks them for the million-dollar check, and Billy is, like, shocked. But then Dr. D says, but I can't accept it, and rips it in half. He's like, that's crazy. I don't know what these fishermen were talking about. They're all a bunch of superstitious drunks, no more people. Um, And Dr. D says, yo, Sheena, Billy, we gotta swear to never talk about this again. Like this was a lot, a big ordeal. We see how people react to the mere idea of merpeople, and so with what what transpired, what we went through, and what they did for us, let's never bring it up again. as a wrap. So Billy, being the adventurous personality that he is, he sneaks back out to the coral, hoping to catch the merpeople one more time, and the mermaid specifically. So that he can say goodbye to who saved his life. And while he's searching for the mermaid, he feels something up next to him. And it turns out it's the sea monster from the beginning of the sto- of the story. So, yeah, the sea monster was real, which is like the mermaid was real. <laughs> and the story closes with Billy wondering if people will believe what he's found now. So like, even with this life and death experience, Billy is still Billy, still super adventurous, still hopes for you know fame and recognition for being so adventurous so like a fun story um i feel like i always get on this show and talk about things being totally different but you know this is almost pure adventure um you know with some real fantasy with the Mer people mixed in but i think it's way more about the greed of men and the wonder of kids like just a, a really fun story to read um the fast read. Um, this is probably the shortest book in the series so far. Didn't even total to 120 pages. Just went 117 pages. But like, I really enjoyed like Billy's story um, and even his journey from like kid to thinking about the world on a larger scale to going back to being a kid. Um, And everybody's motivations were great. Doctor Deep as a scientist, Alexander as you know a grad student. And if anybody's been like in grad school, biggest thing you think about in grad school is one going to class, two the loans that you still have to pay back. So you know, again, I got where he was coming from. Um, The zoo representatives, you know, having the wonder to believe that there were mer people, and then the criminals being criminals and trying to kill a family so <laughs> all in all i like how everybody played out including sheena who was the matter-of-fact one out of everybody who was proven wrong eventually um so you never know if she settles back into her personality but yeah it was a real cool story really great characters um and then the mermaid you know being around billy's age i um, having the communication with him like having fun with him and smiling um not wanting chocolate chip cookies because they get soggy but enjoying the squid and um, yeah it was just everything was described kind of in a way you could understand not, not super complicated character very simple but i think he did a good job of telling a story about again the wonder of children and the greed of men um so that was deep trouble next week's story is going to be the scarecrow walks at midnight fitting for our you know our first october story as we get closer to halloween uh so yeah this has been episode 19 of The Goose Down, Deep Trouble. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and thank you for joining me. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comic, show, or movie discussed? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.